How is it going, everybody? Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, welcome to it. Another chilly morning in Ottawa. 8.15 here with JR, Simmer, and Hammer. Highlights around the NHL last night, and I'm sure for uh, all the uh, Sens coaching staff and executives out in Seattle, probably uh, maybe watching. Well, they're probably at the Seattle game last night, right? Oh, absolutely Zimmer? do yeah, that. The but but game. the other part, too, good or, good or bad, you've already watched all the games, so yeah. kind of sets your mood. When you're scouting on the left coast, there are enough guests to tell you, that really set the tone for how good of a scout you were going to be at that game, whether or not your team won on the East Coast. It, it's always pretty funny to watch back in the day. Even back to the old Maple Leaf Gardens where they used to just use those little flashcards to put up your score. Wow. I remember the one time giving myself the fist pump. I'm like, oh, we won 4-3. I'm like, the guy had the thing wrong. Oh, we had no. lost 4-3. <laughs> oh, well, now you just look at your phone and you know oh, instantly yeah. oh, uh, how things are going. Absolutely. Yep. So for the uh, Sens, not a great night on the out-of-town scoreboard, but... Uh, that's why they play the games, as uh, they say. Our next guest is our TSN Hockey Insider. That would be Dave Poulin, as always, presentation of the Myers Automotive Group. How are you doing this morning, Dave? Doing excellent this morning, gentlemen. And part of meaningful hockey is having to watch the scoreboard in early March and, and caring what happens. <laughs> and that's all part of the process, guys. Yeah. It is. And, you know, the emotional swings that we talk about. And I was in Chicago on Monday night, as you know. And I saw the emotional swings firsthand in that game, and I, I would attribute that loss to emotional more than physical. The emotional led to the physical, but I think it was a mentally drained team. And I think about the leader in particular and what he wears on his sleeve and what it takes mentally to lead a hockey team. And, you know, and I've been in the position, and it's it's really draining. And it gets to a point where... You have to catch your breath, and I really think that they got caught by a team that you you respect everybody, but by a team that you know everyone expected them to beat, and they just caught their breath. And through the game, you know, in the first period they were fine, and the late goal really drained things and really changed things around. I think if that goal happens earlier in the first period, then they're fine. But the late goal, after dominating the first period, like Chicago wasn't even there in the first period, and then it got sloppy, and then it got out of hand. But I think that was, you know, and it was interesting because partway through the third period in my ear, the producer said, do you think Ottawa will still get a day off tomorrow in Seattle? And I said, even more so than I did before the game. They need a day off and they need to get away from the rink. And so I would expect them to come back fully charged to skate today in Seattle and they'll be ready to go. And to that, Pooley, it was such an emotional week and Thursday was unbelievable in Madison Square Garden. You made the chicken trade and it really turned Saturday's atmosphere into almost a playoff game. So could you totally understand, as someone that played a long time, that just totally set up for a Monday against Chicago to just be a major letdown? It did. And we don't, we didn't come up with the term trap game in the trap game. And I don't even think it was a trap game. I think it was the emotional letdown. And you think about the emotions of, of that Detroit, you know, back and forth in those two games. But even starting off the week, it was how are these five games going to shape up? And it was almost a playoff-like atmosphere in the week. And then, peaked by Saturday night with the chance in the crowd and the, you know, the inclusion of Jacob Chikrin, who I had a chance to chat with on Monday morning in the locker room in Chicago. And, you know, who just, it just is draining and it's draining for a young team and part of a young team. And this is something that you can talk about, but you have to experience. So, you know, Claude Drew, I'm sure would think about it and say something, but that wouldn't matter. You, you can't, explain to a young player what's going to happen it has to you have to go through it and you have to feel it and the 
the mental side of it lets the physical part be tired. And as that game went on, it just got sloppy and tired. And, you know, we had focused right up close on DJ during, it wasn't a timeout. It was, he knew it, uh, when it went to three, nothing, I said right away to Gordon Miller, or he said to me first, before I even got a chance, he motioned timeout and that didn't happen. But DJ knew that a TV timeout was coming. A TV timeout was within, you know, 30 seconds and a whistle. So he waited, but we stayed on close up of him. And the last words out of his mouth were no more turnovers, like really exaggerated. And there were three within the next 30 seconds yeah. after the puck dropped. I mean, and it was like, it was like, okay, did you say more turnovers or no more turnovers? <laughs> and it was like a parent telling a kid, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Didn't you hear me say, don't do that. And that's what happened. You coached uh, 10 years of college hockey at, at Notre Dame. So, uh, you know, dealt with a lot of young players, as, as you said, Claude Giroux can say stuff, but until you go through it, you don't know. I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on, and listen, the entire team had a, had a letdown, but Mad Sogard found out at some point on Monday that he was actually going to play because I think uh, when Cam, Cam Talbot tweaked something uh, at the game day skate, um, would that be something as well for Mad Sogard where, you know, how to, how to focus yourself in a in a shorter amount of time when you learn you're going to have to play relatively uh, late in the day as opposed to, no. you know, the typical, um, you know, the, the typical routine? No question. And goaltenders, and you're sitting beside one or on air with one, you know well they all have their individual routines. But, you know, we watched the morning skate, and Talbot took the starters in. So even before the morning skate starts, you know, Cam Talbot's starting, and then leaves the ice, and Sogart takes extra shots. And this is something that I've always thought about, Simmer, philosophically, and talk to the goalie coaches about, I don't want my backup goalie having a big work day on a game day. And because practices are so rare now, very often they use the game day skate post the regular, you know, 20 minute zip around as a work day for the backup goaltender. But my fear is what if he has to go in the game and particularly a young guy physically and mentally. And that's exactly what happened on Monday with an off day coming looming on Tuesday they would use that day as a work day for Matt Sogard. And mentally, you know, forget the men- the physical part of doing it. Mentally, he'd had his work done for the day. And then at some point during the day, we found out when we got to the rink that Kevin Mandelazzi was on his way up. And in fact, guys, I ran into Scott Foster, the legendary <laughs> e-bug, down below. And Scott Foster had, had a sort of a brief college career at Western Michigan University when I was coaching at Notre Dame. So I grabbed him. I saw him and, and grabbed him and said hi to him. And it was funny because he had his Western Michigan bag over his shoulder and the Scott Foster tags on his bag. And I, and I introduced myself and he was laughing. He goes, oh, I know who you are. And I said, are you reliving something right now? And he goes, that was five years ago. And his eyes were big. And he's like, what's going to happen tonight? And, of course, he was just there for precautionary reasons. But it was five years ago that he played that game, guys. 2018, in March of 2018, when he went in and made seven or eight saves in that famous e-bug game in Chicago. i got to say as well, Pooley, if I was backing up, I would have been throwing down deep dish pizza all afternoon. <laughs> They'd get word well, I was playing. you've got no choice. Well, yeah, maybe you even, even no a, as a good Danish guy at Carlsberg. Now to Sogard, though. Uh, when they did come up, it was a season saver, and it was almost like the Hamburglar where the games were fun. There was no pressure. What is the different element that the young goaltender, if he's playing the rest of this trip, going to face on this four-game road trip where there are expectations now? Well, first off, I don't think 
Cam Talbot is significant. I think I think Talbot will play on this trip. And that was just my gut feeling um, in talking to the guys. And, you know, it was really precautionary knowing the stretch of games coming up. And it wasn't something he did in the morning skate because, as I said, he left the ice early. He was playing. It was just something that through the course, at some point through the course of the day, might have been nagging a little bit. He just said, you know what, I just think I need a few more days, and they would have till Thursday if he didn't play. So I think that Cam Talbot is going to be fine in playing. But to Matt Sogard, that's part of it too. There is more pressure now. And even in that first period, Shimmer, it was a lousy first period to go into because he didn't see anything. And the only thing he saw made the big save on the one break on the first breakaway. Exactly. But that's all he saw, right? All he saw was a breakaway and then a partial breakaway. And then the third shot went off his glove and in the net from Kurashev late in the period. And that was the deflator. And he did make some saves through the game, but as I said, it got away from him. And in terms of odd man rushes that he faced and the Chicago group, interestingly enough, guys, and, and we made a comment about it in the morning and I had a really good chance in the morning. I chatted with Luke and I chatted with their staff and I worked with Derek King. So I know King are well, and, and I know Kim Dean a little bit as well. So I actually, you know, sat in their office and had a nice chat with them. And we were surprised at the energy and the volume of press at the morning skate. And because Luke was speaking and there were I don't know, six or eight cameras around him and a number of reporters. And it was like, this doesn't feel like, you know, a 32nd place team morning skate in March. And I have been, I had lived in Chicago previous to, to moving back up to Toronto to take the leaf job. And so I had been in that building a lot in 2007, 2008, pre Kane and tapes. Mm-hmm. And it was totally different this time guys. And even at the game, I mean, the building wasn't full in the capacity of 23,000, like it fits, but it was a good crowd and energized and the crowd at the morning skate. And, you know, Luke Richardson, to no surprise, has those guys playing hard, although you have to check the roster to see who he has playing hard. <laughs> but he has the guys playing hard and they're competing every night. And that's the conversation I have with the coaches. And they're quite, it felt like a team, like I've been around, you know, Ottawa, particularly early this year, the energy was, was good, even in trying times, because the direction was there and you knew the quality of the good young players. But being around Montreal they feel like teams with a plan and that's different from being around teams without a plan. But I feel like there is a plan in Chicago right now. Uh, we used uh, Alex Debrinkat's return to Chicago, which may have also uh, been part of the reason that uh, there was uh, some extra media around uh, on Monday uh, as a jumping off point on a discussion on Alex Debrinkat and his future. And this season is going to play itself out. And then the big decision is going to have to be made this summer by both he as to what he wants to do, but by the Sens as well. And, uh, at this point, you, I mean, you do a lot of Ottawa games, you talk to a lot of people, um, and a lot of it will be dependent on what he wants to do. He has a, has a huge say in all of this, but do you think that the Ottawa Senators, they've made the big trade now for a defenseman, should make that long-term big-money commitment to Alex Dabrinkat? Um, I, I would, one word jumped out at me, and that is the big part of the money. And it would be, you know, on Ottawa's terms to do with their internal cap. And it wouldn't have to do with the qualifying offer of $9 million. The qualifying offer was his last contract and his last team that he negotiated with and something his agent did to propel him into his next contract. So the reason he would have signed the bridge back then, you know, and he had 41 goal season was that it would be the accelerant to go into the next contract. 
And I'm removing that from the equation. I'm saying, okay, this is my team. This is my salary cap. This is where I think that Alex Dabrinkit fits into my team. And the beauty is um, you've got Brady and Stutzla as your, as your, a, and, your, your a and A alphas. And so where does Dabrinkit fit in to your top six? And what is the price on your terms? And yes, I'm highly interested in having him a part of the group. And you're hoping that he has seen something that says, okay, you know, forget about the $9 million qualifying offer. And because I'm, I want to sign a long-term deal. I want to be part of this. I think it's something special. And, and, you know, I'm going to negotiate a contract that works for me, obviously, and understands what I've done in the National Hockey League, but also, also understands where my spot is in the Ottawa Senators. So I'm highly interested mm-hmm. in that negotiation. It doesn't feel like Pooley for many reasons, and also knowing Jeff Jackson, excellent agent, it'll be any less than eight times eight. Would you do that? Um, I don't think that, well, you know, he, he's, he'd be right around there, but maybe a little bit under there. He's got the weight of the 241 goal seasons, but does that fit into your structure? And it may depend on where the cap's going and what that projection is similar, but it, it, it's arguably going to be, it's going to be a little bit less than Stusla and, and, and Brady make. It just is. And for me, and that's what fits. And so if the number hits, I'd like the number to start with a seven. That may be unrealistic on my part, but you know, he fits right into that grouping on what he brings to the team. And you're, you're also, you know, you project out and you say, okay, well, Drew's got two more years left at 6.5 after this. So that's part of, Harder to bring us longer term money is the Giroux money. You know, that's those are the machinations of, of what goes into this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm having the conversation for sure. I want him to be yeah. a part of this team, but it's got to be a little bit more on my terms, maybe than eight, but right around there. Yeah. yeah. But, but him going into the final year of his contract, I mean, ultimately, if, if he decides that he wants to, it, it starts with an eight or an 8.5 or whatever. I mean, he has a, a ton of, he has a lot of leverage. I mean, he can just play out next year. At $9 million, uh, you know, uh, and, and really force the hand of the Sens if he wants to do it that way as well, which makes it a bit of a different negotiation, right? It's not all going to be on the Sens' terms. No, it's not all going to be on the Sens' terms, but it has to be on the Sens' terms for what they want to do with this group. And, and you know, and we, we've spoken about this. You know, you say, well, the Sens' pipeline isn't very good. Well, the Sens' pipeline isn't very good because all the good guys are already here. <laughs> you know, I'd rather have the good guys that I know that can play in the NHL as part of my pipeline. than well, I've got a great pipeline coming. Um, you know, if you're going to say a 21 year old in, in Timmy Stutzel is part of the pipeline, well, that's more than a pipeline. That's a pipeline full of, full of good product. And, but to bring it, I think it'd be a big part of this team, but does he want to simmer? Does he want to be a part of this? Does he want to be a part of something special? And we get into the old, you know, you've heard me say this many times, the sneaker and jeans philosophy. He's made some money. He's a young guy. He has a pair of sneakers. He has a nice pair of jeans. You can only wear one of each at a time. Mm-hmm. And does he want to be a part of something special? And I think he has the opportunity to do that in Ottawa. And, you know, the excitement of the team sale um, could factor into something like this. And the excitement of a potential building that he could be a part of, all those things could come into play. And because he's played the National Hockey League, and he's also seen – what it's like to play for a team that's not very good simmer and make a lot of money. And, you know, cause he's, I mean, he's been at, you know, making a lot of money on a relative basis for a young guy. He's driven to the rink knowing that he plays for a team that's not very good. And, and that's not, that's not fun. It's just not. And he's also driven to the rink this week and said, 
holy smokes. But this is fun, and this is just the start of it. Yeah, and also, hey, Factors, he's got a young family, so it's different than a single guy, but we don't know any of that. Also, I think Ottawa's put them in a great spot, and at the same time, I like to use that term, he's part of the solution, which even more so, Pooley, after you've made the Chikrin trade, you're you're in win-now mode. I'm not talking about winning a cup, but you remove it to bring it from there, and you start to look at it, hey, that is part of the solution going forward. Yes, and, you know, your young family part is not taken lightly by these guys at all. They know that Ottawa is a great city. Um, they do. They know it's a great city for a young family. They understand that. And they, you know, and Alex Dabrinka, the way he plays, guys, he knows he needs other players to be successful at what he does. He's not a standalone. He's not. He needs complementary players. And he knows that he's got a better and a higher, a better quality and a higher number of complementary players in Ottawa right now in the top six than are in a lot of different situations. And the grass isn't always greener, and I think he would understand that. We uh, uh, talked about this earlier in the season. Unfortunately for Ottawa, in terms of its pipeline, its prospect pipeline, uh, there's some bad news on Tyler Boucher, who uh, hurt himself at the World Juniors um, and then re-aggravated the injury on Friday day playing for the 67s. And uh, the news from Dave Cameron, the coach, is that uh, you know, pending a, a final uh, sign-off from the Sens, uh, it, he's going to need shoulder surgery, it looks like, and be out three to four months and miss the rest of the season. And if you add uh, Boucher's now shoulder injury to what we've seen very recently with the Sens, from Colin White to Shane Pinto to Josh Norris, we add in Cole Caulfield just down the 417 in, in Montreal. Is this just coincidence um, that, you know, really good prospects all coming out of the States – uh, are all suffering, the uh, Jack Hughes as well from New Jersey, all suffering significant shoulder, just coincidence, this is all happening, or yeah, is there anything to read into it, or or, or, or what? I think the coincidence part, um, I don't think it's that they all come from the States or they all come from the National Development Program, if that's what you mean, because they do. Um, I, I think it's that they're all really high-level, high-quality players that play against older, bigger, stronger, faster because they're the National Hockey League at 18, 19, and 20. And even coming in, um, they're playing a lot of hockey. They're playing competitive hockey. And I do think, guys, and I've talked to a couple of the trainers about the shoulder thing, and they're piecing all this information together now because of what we're talking about on the development of the shoulder and the focus of the development on the shoulder, you know, because these kids are training at an elite level, and, and they're – I think the body type is changing too coming into the national hockey league where they're slighter and they're, I don't want to say they're in better shape than we were simmer because they're in <laughs> different shape than we were. How's that for being polite? Oh no, no, they're um, better shape than me. Not you Pooley, but I, I'm maybe, not going to put me on that list. <laughs> maybe not as blocky as we were. <laughs> oh, they're, they're upper body. They're up and RNH is another guy Their Their upper bodies are shocking. Pooley. I guess all I was asking is, is the intensity of the U S development program, something to point to or is that just like and it's no No, okay it's not it's not the elite level training is done off the ice there as well and you know from medical training standpoint i think it is coincidence it's unfortunate but i think it's the level the number of games they play um all of those things factor in but you know you get a a jack hughes you know i I look at some of the some of these guys off the ice and they're just not very big i was i was looking at uh 
the Reichel kid in Chicago walking by me the other day. And he looks like he's 12 years old. <laughs> you know, he just does. I'm like, is that one of the players? And <laughs> That's part of getting that. old, though, too, Dave. <laughs> I know. It is. The, the, I know the, it dra- is. the draft photos for me are always like, and maybe New Jersey does this because of lose old shirt and tie thing, but some of them you're like, that's got to be a prep school player, right? <laughs> I know. Well, the clip-on tie doesn't help either, Stimmer. But I'll tell you, you talk about getting old, Jr. I don't want to share with you that I did see Peter Gabriel. I've seen him a couple of times, but I saw Peter Gabriel with Genesis on Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. <laughs> wow. Yes, sir. Yeah. Spectacular. I saw him recently with, most recently, I guess would have been, I don't know, maybe five years ago when he played with Sting, but it was it was brilliant. So yeah. if you get a chance to go see him, go see him. Well, he, yeah, just announced his tour. He's coming to Ottawa in September, so the tickets yeah. just went on sale, interestingly enough. Okay, okay. Terrific. So so from the, uh, just, just again in talking to the trainers, just to finish up on the, on the shoulder th- uh, thing, uh, is one of the things they're studying – um, you know, how, how best to develop this, this new athlete kind of going forward in terms of just the off-ice training component to this? It is constant. It is so constant. I mean, you know, I, I, I know even at the college level, when they walk in, they put a monitor on, that they're monitored their entire time they're in the building. They're everything about it, heart rate, calories, intake, everything in terms of body composition. So it's a constant study. And, and they'll figure it out just like they figure other things out. But, you know, it does get prevalent at some points because you think, man, it seems like we're losing a lot of guys to shoulders, and Ottawa in particular, because they're high-profile guys and they're really good players. All right, good stuff. On that note, we'll uh, let it go. Appreciate the time, uh, as always, and look forward to chatting with you again on Friday. Have a great day, gentlemen. Sense, bet, and breakfast. Powered by FanDuel. Make every moment more on FanDuel. North America's number one sports book. Look at you, Sean Simpson. <laughs> Banzai. <laughs> pick the Islanders. Pick the under. Make the final. 3-2. Islanders beat Buffalo. Oh, I actually had just a small smile on my face <laughs> of actually getting one right. Yes. So, yeah, that was the, yeah pretty interesting. All right. So um, a very uh, light. It's Wednesday, man. I don't like these. The Wednesday docket always, they don't have very many games. They used to call it rivalry night. Now it's just hot garbage. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, well, because the other guys want to put the focus, they want to make it a national game. But, and with all, you know, with all, you know, Minnesota, Winnipeg, that's. Okay, that's anyway. Why, that's the battle of people that in Minnesota that actually would live in Winnipeg. And that's why they featured all their players being from Minnesota. All I can think of is that your friend in the wood chipper. That's all oh, I can exactly, think of. Yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Played last night uh, and lost at home to Calgary in a shootout, one one to nothing. Uh, and of course, Calgary trying to chase down Winnipeg for the final Western Conference playoff spot. While they've been playing some good hockey, quite the loss last night. Jets have been kind of so-so. So the game's in Winnipeg. Uh, the Jets are a goal and a half favorite and minus one thirty-seven uh, on the money line. The total, this is as low as it goes. It's only five and a half. For tonight's game, what do you like? Yeah, I, I'm feeling over, Jerry. I mean, it's not going to be crazy scoring, and this is a must-win for Winnipeg. And you do have Minnesota on the back-to-back, so I'll take Winnipeg and I'll take the over if they try to right the ship. All right, don't have any individual uh, puck lines for tonight, but who are you feeling uh, get, is getting a goal tonight for either uh, team? Well, I'll go with Mr. Shifley. I'll have a little fun with that. All right, yeah. there you go. Uh, make every moment more on FanDuel, North America's number one sports book. All right, sends out the day off in uh, Seattle. Uh, yes, they flew out right after the game in Chicago. The overnighter got in uh, early yesterday morning, day off yesterday, back on the practice ice, uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon, uh, our time. Uh, and then, of course, playing again tomorrow night, 10 o'clock, late face-off, uh, taking on the Kraken, five-game road trip. Not off to a great start, uh, <laughs> needless to say, with a 5-0 loss in uh, Chicago. 
Uh, but what was of interest uh, for uh, um, our next guest uh, is the fact that uh, he was there. Uh, he was the grand prize winner in our Air Canada fan flight that we gave away way back in the fall of a trip for four to go to the game. So, t- uh, you know, uh, airfare courtesy of Air Canada uh, and then uh, four tickets to the game and then uh, back yesterday. And so uh, we welcome uh, to the show uh, Ian Symes, our grand prize winner, who has made it back alive and well uh, to Ottawa. How you doing this morning, Ian? Doing well. You guys? Uh, well, we're we're doing okay. You sound like you're uh, you sound like you're in in good shape. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. We we uh, we exercise moderation and pace ourselves, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> exercise moderation. All right. So take everybody uh, through the trip. You left uh, you left for uh, Chicago on Sunday, was it? Yeah, we left Sunday and uh, got there around supper time and had a, an evening out on the town. And then uh, Monday, uh, got to go to the pregame skates and, uh, or uh, sorry, the morning skate and uh, met DJ and uh, yeah, got a, a little look around the United Center when it was empty. It was really cool and afternoon off and then uh, out to the game and uh, yeah, they it was a blast. The uh, I'm not a big Blackhawk fan, but I like hockey history, and they sure embraced their history and celebrated. So I was kind of reveling in that. One of the keys when you go to Chicago, a bit of a triangle as you fly into O'Hare. You got to go downtown to the game. Where do you end up staying, and what were your thoughts on the Windy City? Uh, we were at they call it the Magnificent Mile. I guess the I guess that's right downtown. Yep. It was a, a Marriott. It was yeah, beautiful, beautiful hotel, beautiful part of town. Uh, no, it was uh, it was. Uh, and everything was right walking distance from where we were. So, uh, not the rink though, but, uh, bars, restaurants, whatnot. And, uh, yeah, it was a blast. Oh, it was a beautiful city. People really friendly. Um, uh, didn't take too much grief for wearing scent stuff, you know? So <laughs> Doesn't Chicago fun. remind you of Canada? I've always thought the Midwest has a, as a real Canadian vibe to it. Yeah, I, I can see why you'd say that. No, for sure. By the, yeah, the people were, uh, people were really good to us. So yeah, we had a blast. Did you get after it on Sunday night at all? I don't know what you define as after, but maybe a bit. Yeah. Okay. We, I think we. I think we might have found a pub or two. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. On uh, down Division Street or what part of Chicago? Uh, this place was called O'Sullivan's or something. Okay. It was. It was yeah. It was. I'm not sure that Irish the bar in Chicago. I think you'd be. Uh, yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a good spot to find. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No. Yeah. We we. We did okay there. Yeah. All right. We're talking to Ian Symes, who won our Canada fan flight to, to uh, watch the Sens play in Chicago. So the game itself, I mean, it ends 5 to nothing. Seemed like a pretty enthusiastic crowd, as you said. Uh, now, now, what are the names of uh, your buddies or family members you took down with you? Uh, yeah, I went down with uh, three high school buddies. Uh, Jim, I don't know if you want last days, but Jim, Mark, and Mike. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are they all Sens fans or, or not? Oh, yeah. yeah all right. Sure. Okay. So you guys are representing. You're at the game. First of all, are you get any grief from any Hawks fans as you're walking into the building, like or, or during the game itself? Well, we were in a box actually, so we were uh, box. We, wow. We, yeah, we didn't have to really uh, rub shoulders with Blackhawks fans too much. There was a couple of remarks coming in and out of the building. There, there were other contest winners on the tour. Some um, women, and I think that they got some grief from female Blackhawks fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but me, no, I didn't experience. It. Okay, all right, all good. Uh, the result itself, obviously, five to nothing. Not necessarily, uh, especially after the game started to get a little bit out of hand. Not a whole heck of a lot to uh, to cheer about. But what was it? Uh, kind of take us through the ebbs and flows of the uh, of the game itself, and what it was like to uh, to watch a game in Chicago. Oh well, man, I wasn't expecting that anthem singer. I don't know if you that 
that that was kind of like the the highlight of the game. Everything kind of descended from there. Uh, but uh, yeah, the the crowd was wasn't it wasn't packed, but the ones that were there were really into it. And uh, like you could tell, they sure liked to bring it because he got a he got a pretty long and uh, pretty loud ovation at the uh, when they did his video tribute. And uh, yeah, they 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 feel like a team in in rebuild. They feel like the it felt like a sense crowd from a few years back, and but the, the real hardcore guys were out, so uh, it was cool. Let's get down to the key here. What kind of grub did you have? Because Chicago has some of the best vittles on the planet. Oh uh, yeah, we yeah they, they uh, we hit a few spots, but uh, not everything we had was great. It was uh, uh, I can't think of. We didn't go. I couldn't talk the guys into a deep dish pizza, but. Uh, oh. Yeah, you got to do that uh, in Chicago, that's... Ian. What? Oh, what? Hey, look, I, uh, you know, when, wow. when I got down there, I said it's a democracy, and uh, <laughs> I lost. So. Well, hang on, it's a democracy, but you provided the trip. You're the, yeah. the only reason those guys are with you is because of you. That's a dictatorship. Yeah, that's, that's, Come on. No, no, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be. Uh, I, I didn't want to be an authoritarian or anything. <laughs> okay. Just, uh, All right. All right. Uh, fair enough. So, so good food. And I know uh, before we let you go that uh, you wanted to shout out the folks from uh, from Air Canada that kind of went above and beyond. Oh my God! Yeah, they were uh, they were fantastic. Was, like, I can't imagine the royal family being treated better than we were. Like, uh, uh, yeah, when I won this trip, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect, but this exceeded my wildest dreams in terms of just the uh, the comfort and the uh, style with which we were treated. So, uh, yeah, John Alpenny and Natalie and blanking on her last name from Air Canada Promotions. My God, they were uh, amazing host and hostess, and uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Awesome, awesome. Well, glad to hear you had a great time, despite the final score. Uh, Chicago is a wonderful city, uh, so glad you had a great time and uh, and back safely. Always appreciate uh, you listening, and uh, uh, good luck in the next contest. Thanks very much, and thanks again, guys. It was a blast. All right, sounds good. There is uh, Ian Symes, grand prize winner in our Air Canada fan flight, uh, who I just got back from Chicago. The rare shout-out to Air Canada when it involves flying to Chicago, <laughs> especially, oh, man, United Airlines there. You think the luggage can get lost in Toronto, JR, uh, when you fly to Chicago? And it's a monster airport. Busiest uh, airport in the world, right? Uh, it, I believe. I, is it? it would be Maybe right up pass by yeah, Atlanta like, like, now. But... Like Frankfurt or, yeah, for sure, where you're, you in North, go. Okay, North America. Yeah, but, sure. but you can go anywhere in the world. And what's also really cool, um, if you're ever driving out of the airport or getting your rental car, they have one of those causeways where the planes are going across, and then you you basically look like you're driving into the plane, JR, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you go down underneath it. It is one of the coolest optical things. You're like, hey, uh, this is a bit weird here. The plane appears to be on the road, and then you dip down, and uh, Chicago, downtown, yeah, really beautiful place, great food, and, and when you get there, like I said, most of the kids that, that go there to work are you know, people from the Midwest, so... I've always felt like it feels more Canadian than when you go to Toronto. Like it really does have that nice energy to it. Hammer, what's your best memory of the Chicago of O'Hare? Uh, running to our next gate because yep. we thought we were well behind before realizing, hang on, we're being a little, uh, we're not the smartest uh, crew here. Mm. The The time has changed. We have a full hour well, to go. Uh, you know, it was, and you were, uh, you know, you, at that point you were, you know, I in your early rookie. 40s. And it's your first time in your life dealing time with time zone. change. Yeah, I was no, like, that, how yeah. does this work? That's I totally was, understand. I was so confused. And then, and then you you know, you think it's an hour later. Is it an hour earlier? You know, I'll tell a you, lot that can go into that. Eh? I'll tell you one thing though: if that airport had a deep dish pizza joint, I don't care if I would have been late. I would have been grabbing a slice of that. 
Ian's got to put his foot down. Yeah, You're I, in, are you going yeah. to Philly and not having a cheesesteak? No, I, I got. I be honest with you guys, and even late night, like That's this a is foul. this is a bit weird. Like, like seriously, they are. And and again, Sully's Pub of all places to go to. There's probably a million. Um, there are more illegal Irish people living in Chicago <laughs> than there are in Ireland. Uh, but to the deep dish, I I don't understand that. Like, I, you, you gotta you, hit it. Oh my god, yeah. Like at that. least order it into the hotel or well, something, or or go for a slice. Like you got places all mm. up and down there. Hey, you don't need to hang it. out. Go right? rogue. Ian like... said it's a democracy. You yeah, yeah, want to be an authoritarian. Yeah, so. and I, I, can I respect that. Yeah, I can understand game day because that would put you into a bit of a, a food coma. Uh-huh. But post game, after you've had pops like that, to me, like I'd be disappointed if. I didn't wake up in cheese sauce and <laughs> well, tomato sauce oh, in unexplained places. Oh, exactly. You yeah. know what? You got to do what JR did when uh, they went to New Jersey for a playoff game with a bunch of listeners and what, what, some sort of Winnebago. Yeah. And he decided, you know what? Screw the rest of you lads. I'm heading to the Big Apple. I'm going to Manhattan, stepping over bodies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to go have myself a well, good time. We were, no, I was, uh, that was before the game. The game was in the afternoon. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, but I'm going. I'm going, and we stayed but, in uh, in Hoboken. And you, I'm could, like, you couldn't have taken the 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 Winnebago through the tunnel, though, right? No, no, I, oh, okay. I no, I took the uh, I took the whatever I think I took the Gypsy I bus? think I took the ferry. Oh, okay. there across. you go. Let's I got to get into downtown. Oh, I got to yeah. get to Manhattan here. I'm in New York for yeah. goodness' sake. You got to go. It's right there. Plus, the game was in the afternoon. There was uh, the um, you know as we had come to expect mm-hmm. the from a good New Jersey Devil fan the threat of violence as soon as we stepped into the rink because uh, we're with a bunch of winners, so they're all wearing uh, Sens uh, Sens stuff. So the guy behind us was absolutely ready to fight the entire game. <laughs> oh, ready to oh, fight guy. Oh, ready to I'm fight guy. To he's ready to fight. And I'm oh. like, oh, my God. And, of course, the Sens ended up losing uh, the uh, game. So he's... Was this still at the Meadowlands here? Yes. Okay. The old Brendan Byrne Arena. This would have yeah. been 03, right, yeah. when they now, fought, fought, fought back to force yeah. the game seven. Yeah. So I think that was game. I think that was game, game four, game, right? Game three they or game back. four or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, they lost the game. But partying in, so taking the Winnebago to the giant parking lot because Brendan Byrne Arena shares the, with the, the old football stadium, right? The it was all gi- right yeah, too. one giant big parking lot. So having the Winnebago and being able to stand on the Winnebago mm-hmm. while everybody's tailgating uh, for a Saturday afternoon game, that was fun. Yeah, they actually do a pretty good job there. And and to that, one of the funniest things, not funniest, but more and more uh, wouldn't be on the east side, but on the west side, on the New Jersey side, Jared, I always thought to myself, you know, I, I know I want to be in the city. Now, if I it was perfect world, you'd live right on the water in the Jersey side and have a boat to take you to work. But I'm thinking the view over to Manhattan from New Jersey is a hell of a lot better than than the Manhattan people having to look back over New Jersey. I'm thinking, who's got this right, man? When you wake up every day and you just had more and more buildings coming on the New Jersey side. And as you go down to, uh, you know, we're September 11th and even to the little um, uh, um, uh, tunnel that goes out to New Jersey right there is very cool. Mm. Uh, by the way, I got a bunch of texts in uh, uh, to the question of uh, Dunkin' Donuts because you're you're getting oh, in the minivan love, love on the Dunkin's. Yeah, you're going. You're driving to Florida on Friday. And, I'm going to be living on Dunkin's. Yeah, Smolberger says, "Good morning. Just got back from Florida. Dunkin' Donuts everywhere, just like Tim. Thank you. Here, yeah. that's from Smolberger. Yeah, and they realize, hey, uh, because there is part of as you go south, there isn't nearly as much of them. But hey, everybody from the Northeast, where are they going? Well, of course, they're going to Florida, so they knew. And like I said, there was one in little Fort Lauderdale. They were all over the place and a mega lineup uh, right early in the morning. Jerry writes, Duncan is king. Thank you. Uh, Steve writes, uh, we did the family drive from Ottawa to Florida once. Once. 
They still complain about it to this day. That was eight years ago. Hang on. Did, did you fly back? Do you not need to do the drive back? What happened there? You did it once. You got to do it twice. Well, you're only, you're only, you're driving down, then you're there for what, two days? And then you come back. <laughs> Like everybody will be in a festive mood. And should I be concerned that my wife is already searching for flights home? Oh, like she might, like she oh, might ditch us oh, and just, that, and just that take the be. flight oh, home. Oh. Hey, you know, I'll get the house ready for you guys when you guys get back. It'll be all good to go. Oh, she's flying. Be- I, she's not extending the stage. She's no, no, coming no. back oh. earlier. She's just joking, though. But wow. she did hit me with, hey, I've been looking at flights home from, from Florida. Mm. We could just leave the rental down there, couldn't we? That's where you got to man up, Hammer, and show. I said hey. that's not part of the plan. <laughs> I need the extra driver. We need to get back on time. We've got work on Monday. Well, that's where she just says, well, Carter could drive. <laughs> <laughs> He's a season uh, ticket holder now. Mm, that Mr. Guy. Season ticket holder. <laughs> Uh, unsigned rights. Come on, boys. Let's call a spade a shovel. Chicago deep dish pizza is the most overrated food item since lime jello. I've never had it, so I have no clue. Whoa. But that's a yeah, shot. I, I, I find that a little strange. It is for traveling, and I was in Chicago hundreds of times. Uh, first of all, the big thing, if you're going to Chicago, and uh, um, we used to talk to, ah, uh, what was the Chicago coach that uh, from Cornwall, here? Uh, Orville Tessier. Orville Tessier and Orville. And then Joel Quenville told me the same thing. Big thing when you're a celebrity in Chicago, you're coaching the Hawks, you go to steakhouses, right? Because their steakhouses are incredible. But the thing that you do is you sit in the kitchen. You sit at the chef's table in the actual kitchen. That is the real perk of, wow, this is really cool. Like you're literally sitting in there. So you have the meal, but restaurants and everything there, man. Like Ditka's is, was very famous. Oh, right? yeah, Ditka's, yeah. Right? But, and, there, and there's just tons of them, you know, and, and, you know, that's really, you know, the Chicago Steakhouse, that's kind of where the origin, I think, of the whole thing comes from. But the dip, deep, deep dish pizza, yeah, something's seriously wrong right there because it is from a flavor standpoint and crust and everything else. It's just incredible. So now if you're having that in another place other than Chicago, I understand. But if you've had it in Chicago and you're saying that, then, hey, that's your own taste. But I find that hard to believe. All right. Anyway, good it's luck. A, it's just like the wing place in Buffalo, right? What did a great yeah, you have to do it? The Anchor Bar, like they they what an incredible. I think there's what's the one in Syracuse as well. Uh, everyone goes Dino's to. Barbecue. Yeah, like like what it's amazing, eh? Like how you have, you develop that reputation for that and what you're able to do with is it. Is that uh, is that the one in the mall in Syracuse or is that its own standalone place? Uh, it's in one of the hotels, actually. I think. Yeah, yeah I think that's uh, okay. Right. Then I didn't go there. No. Yeah, because when we came back from Washington, the time we drove back from Washington, when when the, the one and only time the the uh, uh, thermometer reading <laughs> yeah. reached three digits well, when I, put I, it on. I, I I'm figuring like, you I've went to what's, what's AJ's favorite place? He likes to go into Erie and what, what's a is wing? it a sandwich joint? No, it's a wing place or something. Oh. And and I, I, he always is raving about because I think they're only available in Erie and probably when Detroit had a team in the OHL. Okay. Uh, anyway, we stopped at some joint in the in the mall. That had people, had, that people yeah. had talked about. Well, that mall is gigantic, right? Well, didn't you get the cupcake, or what was yeah. it? Was it a? Buddy? I don't even remember. There may have even been a was shooting a when we were there. Oh, and and of all people, on. Rob Racetrack is texting me. It's Gibson's is the real big one in Chicago, and Robbie is. This is how big a fan he is. He's a season ticket holder for the Bears, and of course, we know him from the Source of Sports here in Ottawa. Wow! Imagine living in Ottawa. Was and, he at the uh, game, uh, the double doink game, when uh, the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Chicago Bears in the playoffs? <laughs> Ask you him know, if he remembers well, that game. <laughs> That game. He didn't, want to, he didn't want to throw down with you, JR. He's just trying to give information on Gibson. Being nice. E A G L E S. Okay. You were You're not doing it? 
Do it. Hammer was trying to figure out whether you knew how to spell it. That's right. You kind of slowed like, down slowed a little down. bit there. I do have a code word coming up next hour, so spelling will be in question next hour, so stand by for that. All right, just past 9 o'clock, we'll take a break. Top of the hour news and sports. I'll run down the scoreboard for you from last night. If you're just waking up, it uh, was not great news uh, from a Sens playoff point of view. It's all the teams are battling with, pretty much all uh, garnered uh, two points last night. So we'll go through all of that coming up in the uh, next hour. Lots to get to. Touch on some NFL, speaking of which as well. Yesterday was a big day in terms of franchise tags. So um, lots of news on uh, Daniel Jones, on Lamar Jackson, and on Aaron Rodgers as well. So I want to touch on that coming up uh, in the next hour. We still got the Beat the Box Office tickets to see Kiss. So stand by. Your cue to call and be caller 13 when you hear it. little musical interlude from Kiss is on the way as well. Coming up before 10 right here on Sports Radio TSN 1200.